0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah escape canceler. Oh, it's brilliant from
0: Mo Salah, and still Salah, oh
1: sensational! Son and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike!
0: Deployed, oh!
1: mm-hmm. one, oh, in Still got go. Oh, he's done it again and Ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls Children of all ages EPL Index proudly brings to you The best prediction podcast In the
0: world A tad predictable
1: With your host and his guest, Riley
0: Finch. it's game week 26 and you know what that means it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable and do i have news for you all we know bank it or Burn it started a couple of weeks back executive producer guy drinker has finagled his way into the competition and we will reveal his results later on in the show. But before we get to all of that, let's introduce our guest, young sports journalist, Riley Finch. Riley, you had your first go at Bank of Burnett. We were talking about it before the pod sc- started. How are you feeling about round two?
1: Uh, I think which I don't want round two, Tad. You know, <laughs> I, I was feeling quite confident with how I was doing. And to be fair, I think well, I got like four out of five in the first two games. and Then it all just kind of went downhill from there, yeah. I guess. Um, so I don't know. May have got a new mindset this week, but I can't exactly do worse. So, you know, we're, we're in for one. We're in for one this week.
0: Here's hoping. Here's hoping you can't do it. Um, but yeah, as I said, um, when I, I don't know who was marking it, but they they centered over. Sort of running commentary as they were going through the different games, and they're like four out of five. Okay, not bad for his first go. Mm. Then they were like four out of five. Okay, this yeah, is getting worried, yeah. this is getting scary. <laughs> yeah. And for a second, we were all sat there thinking, is he just going to take the piss? Yep. Of our competition, come and get like twenty-two out of twenty-five, and just walk yep. away with the trophy in the first <laughs> round.
1: But I had to keep things interesting. Everyone had to keep things interested in that. I mean. Look, I'm not going to ask for a recount. I, I, I kind of trust you guys, but there, you know there could have been some stuff behind the scenes to save the show. So you know who knows. But for, I think I did well on the West Ham game, so I'll, I'll take that one. You know, as long as I'm getting good on the team I watch week in week out, then I can't be that bad, can
0: I? Fair enough. And and you mentioned recount. Um, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. In, in the first, it might have been the in year two. There, there was a recount that was called. It went to oh, VAR, yeah. went to an independent committee, and you know had a look at it. It was to do with one of the goal celebrations where they either did a knee slide and then did the fist pump, or it, it they clinched their fist but didn't really pump it. Or it was some sort of technicality that was mm-hmm. way above my pay grade. Um, but that got sorted out. Hopefully, you won't have that issue. This time around, I'm, I'm scanning down the run sheet here. You've got the oh, you've got the fist pump Carlson. I've got the fist
1: pump. <laughs> Controversy is coming. Time. I can feel
0: it. We will get the VAR officials ready, pre warned and, and and warmed up just in case. But let's warm up this podcast with a very very tasty opening fixture. It's Man City versus Newcastle. Now, looking at this fixture a couple of weeks back, we're probably thinking this has an influence not just top you know, top of the table, but top four as well. A um, couple of weeks have gone by. Newcastle, obviously, that period where they've studded, no gimarey Um, that's been impactful for them. He then gets injured in the Carabao Cup final. They're still kind of hoping that he's going to be fit for this game. But we've seen Newcastle without him. It's not been that great, but neither have Man City this season. So how, how do you see this game shaping up?
1: Well I mean again they're going up against the best defensive team in the league you know you can't take that away from Newcastle at this point in time um whether they'll still be that defensive team with um you know Carris in goal I'm not sure because as a Liverpool fan I'm sure you've had some sort of Vietnam flashbacks watching the final with some of the uh goalkeeping that you put on display and I think against the talents of Manchester City who they seem up for this title race at this point don't they every single time Arsenal kind of slipped up they do seem to be clawing back the ground on Arsenal, uh, albeit they do have a game in hand. Um, but I, I don't know. There's still that, there's still a couple of question marks with that City squad, isn't there, at the moment? I mean, it's not too long ago that they um, drew one or two Forest. And uh, yeah, they put on a good display against Bournemouth, but they still conceded against Bournemouth. And let's be honest, not many teams do. They're not a very good team attacking-wise. So I do wonder which version of each side we're going to get. But I think Gimoresh is just... He's that cog, isn't he, that you need in that Newcastle side. Um and without him, City are gonna absolutely boss the midfield. And again, Nick Pope has come up trumps for them a lot this season, so I think missing him is gonna be huge. Um I think they're gonna nick a goal, but I I am sort of seeing it as a as a two one Manchester City victory, especially if you've been at home that first game of the weekend saying, Look, let's let's you know, put it over to Arsenal. We've done our bit, you know, they're the ones that's got all the pressure on them because Most of the time, it's Arsenal playing on Saturday and, you know, we've got City playing on Sunday. But this time, it's the first game of the weekend. You know, if you're Pep, you're sitting there saying, look, let's put pressure on Arsenal. They'll slip up again. You never know. They might slip up again. I think they'll be up for it. And I think it'll be 2-1 City.
0: Yeah, Um, 2-1 to Man City. That's a solid result for City. And I do think that would make it an interesting dynamic in that in previous weeks, especially recent weeks, Arsenal have played first. And yeah. they've gone on and, you know, if they go and win, it then puts pressure on City to respond. Or, like last time they drew, but then City didn't capitalize, the tables are going to be flipped. Arsenal get to watch Man City and then sort of see what they, how they have to respond. If I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm hoping my players don't watch that game. Because yeah. the mentality should just be, we need to win every game. Trying to, you know, trying to only one-up City, say if they lose, we get a draw, is fine. It, it's caused Liverpool trouble in the past. Um Just go and win the games that you need to go and take care of the stuff you need to take care of. And then hopefully the league takes care of itself. I've gone for a 2-2 draw in this one. I know Gimmaras isn't there, but I've not been convinced with Man City this season. And you mentioned that Bournemouth game where they conceded the goal. Even, even though they bossed possession and, and looked dominant in that sense... If you look at the quality of the goals, a lot of them were ricochets, Mm. you know, and, and we know Haaland is sort of a fox in the box type of player as well, but they're not firing on all cylinders and they've got a lot to think about with Champions League. Um, they're still in the uh, FA Cup. Arsenal aren't in the FA Cup anymore. I just think that Newcastle in transition, as poor as they might be for not having Bruno Gamerez in midfield, they've still got those runners. Um, in, in, in the wide areas and they caused Man City a lot of trouble at St. James's part last time. They um, did. I think it's going to be a similar situation where they're going to bypass their midfield, try and attack with pace down the wide areas. Um, it will be an important game for the likes of Kyle Walker because they're going to be doing sprints up and down the pitch all game. Yeah. So I've, I've gone 2-2 for that one. Which okay. again makes it interesting because our next game is Arsenal Bournemouth and yeah. Arsenal will then be bouncing into this game, knowing they can extend their lead. Now, obviously, a bit of housekeeping time of recording is before Arsenal's midweek game for us, so we don't know yet how they handle that game. Um, you'd imagine against Everton that they're going to, you know, win that game. I, I don't think I'm being too harsh on Everton there. Um, but this is an opportunity to just be emphatic go and beat bournemouth aside that man city beat last time around so you'd hope as an arsenal fan that you guys can replicate that maybe get a similar score if you're starting to look at the goal difference as well which could be a factor later on in the season but yeah i'm i'm going to go straight on i'm i'm going to say 3-1 to arsenal in this one um i was leaning 3-0 but i'm i'm going to give bournemouth the benefit of doubt or the benefit of a goal
1: yeah, I'm not. I'm actually going 3-0, to be fair. That was a scoreline in my head prior to what you said. Um, I just think, Arsenal, I mean, at times this season, you thought Arsenal just look like they're, they're going to go on and do it. And we are getting to the stage of the season now where we're seeing these slight little slight little tweaks. You know, I think they lost to Everton. They've had a couple of draws here and there. Um, obviously, like you say, we don't know what's going to happen midweek, but I'd imagine Lightning's is not going to strike twice and Deitch is not going to be able to get two results over on Arsenal. I mean, that would be... Pretty remarkable if, if he was able to do it. But against a Bournemouth side, I think them and Southampton, to me, look down already. Um, so, yeah, I think Arsenal will be firing on all cylinders. And like you say, they haven't got too many big sort of things to worry about. I mean, Arteta's got to be sitting there and saying, you know, the league's got to be our number one priority. And sometimes it helps to to play that second game and say, look, this is what they've done. If we can't replicate it, we don't deserve to be champions anyway. So it's definitely like um, a, a two sided thing. You might get more of a reaction out of your players, um, especially depending on the result midweek. It, it could be that City topped the table with that uh, that victory. Um, I just don't see much from Bournemouth at the moment. I think Arsenal just play such amazing football. If Bournemouth can get anything, it's against, the, you know, it's counter attacking and Arsenal tends to do quite well against counter attacking sides, I feel, because they're quite happy to keep possession and, and they're quite happy to you know, drop back as far as they need to and, and then build up slowly. They're not not—they're not scared about getting men behind the ball and then sort of carving out a chance themselves. They're in no rush to go up the other end of the pitch and score. Um, and they don't seem to be missing many players at the moment. And Ketty seems to be actually picking up the number nine spot to the point where you might even have a dilemma when Jaycees comes in as to who's actually going to take that spot. So for me, I'd imagine it's a pretty comfortable Arsenal victory against Bournemouth. Yeah, you've gone 3-0 or 3-1? 3-0, 3-0. 3-0
0: yeah, fair enough. Um, let's move on to Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace. Now, Crystal Palace were involved in a snooze fest last week against Liverpool. Um, they entertain Aston Villa, who I think they've looked better with Unai Emery in the team. And of course, they were um, voted as the the tad predictable team of the season that was sort of rooting for this season. Um, coincidentally, happened very close to when Gerard got fired. Um, <laughs> so... Obviously, you can take your inferences from that. But mm. um, how do you see this game going? Because Palace have done well to get some of the draws that they've gotten, get some of the results that they've gotten. They're not winning at the moment, but it's been a very, very difficult fixture list for them. And then my issue for them is if you look beyond this week, they've got Man City next. So, you know, they had Liverpool... Then you've got Aston Villa sandwiched in between the the end game, which is Man City there. I would probably be targeting the Aston Villa game to say, mm-hmm. if we're going to get a win, we need to get it here. And also we've seen the likes of Southampton, the likes of Everton get wins um, throughout, you know, this 2023 so far where Crystal Palace are starting to get dragged back into that relegation zone. And that has to be a concern for mm-hmm. them. So, to me, this is almost a must-win. I, I don't know if, if if the players are going to be seeing it that way, but looking at their fixture list, they have to get points or three points from somewhere.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, are these two sides you, you can see getting dragged into the relegation fight? Is it more like you can see... Because obviously, you know, Palace, 27 points, they're slowly getting dragged back into it. However, they have gone through this merciless sort of ring of games where they've been dealt some pretty tough fixtures. A Villa, a team you see getting dragged back into that relegation sort of conversation, or do you think they'll be okay?
0: I think Villa will be okay. I think they're going to be coached well enough to 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 sort of navigate their way probably into the top half of if, if Chelsea still play the way they've been playing. So yeah, yeah. I, I think Villa have shown they've got enough to sort of not get dragged in. My worry for Palace is them being okay with the fact that their run-in isn't as hard as everyone else's, so not feeling the pressure to get points now. But we've seen in previous seasons where just because your running gets easier doesn't necessarily help you if your team's form going into that is poor. And it then ends up becoming a mental game, <laughs> you know, trying to navigate it. So for me, if I'm Crystal Palace, I'm targeting a game like this and saying, Let's go and try and win this. If we lose it, I don't mind losing it, chasing a victory in this one. Rather do that early on whilst we're still comfortable than trying to do that later on in the season when maybe the easy fixtures that we're, we're banking on, maybe they end up being teams that are fighting relegation or teams that are on the brink of Europe or you know on the brink of a title or top four. Those meaningless games sometimes become important depending on where those teams end up.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think Palace have a, a decent shout to get dragged back in. I don't think Villa will, but you know, like you say, if you're a Palace fan right now, you're thinking to yourself, you know, we've been through some tough fixtures, but you get 30 points. You've got 13 games left. You, you kind of imagine this season it's around the 36 to 38 mark to stay up. You'd be saying, look, if we, you know, a couple of next games, we're able to get those points. We're out the conversation altogether. We're looking at top 10. We're looking at solidifying ourselves in the Premier League. And I think. That's a good season again for uh, Patrick Vieira. Uh, in terms of the game itself, though, I don't really see Palace getting too much out of it. They, you know, they don't tend to score too many goals. I'm, I'm struggling to see where the goals are going to come from. And I think Villa last week uh, against Everton kind of just looked a little bit more back to themselves. Like They did have some tough fixtures. I think they played Arsenal and City in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm going to go 2-1 to Villa. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we saw a bit of a draw here. Um, but I'm going to backfill it to get that all important goal.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned playing Man City and Arsenal after Man City, Crystal Palace play Arsenal. So again, this, this almost is a, a definite must win game for them because it, it really gets tough. It, it really gets tough for them. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my score prediction for this one, I've gone with a 1 1 draw.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that happen, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And, I, I guess a lot might hinge on whether or not Wilfred Zaha is back. He yeah. wasn't um, ready to play the Liverpool game. And they probably, as I said, w- looking at the fixtures, were probably thinking, it's a hamstring injury. You don't want to risk him. Don't bring him back too early. Because the worst you can do is lose him for the season. Um, so yeah, give him that extra week. Let's see if he's back. Maybe an appearance off the bench if if it's if it's late um in that game and they're still in it and and, and see how it goes. But let's move on to Brighton versus West Ham. Oh, I can skip this
1: one. We can skip this one. It's fine.
0: <laughs> the the fixture that you've probably um been looking forward to on this uh, podcast. And first and foremost, are you happy that you've got back to back West Ham games in your bank of Burnet?
1: Oh, obviously. I mean, to be fair, I did, I did alright in the West Ham game last time. So, but I mean, Brighton's always quite a weird one. I mean, if you want to look up bogey team in the dictionary, I'm pretty sure it comes up with a picture of West Ham and Brighton because (laughs) I I think what this will be the 12th meeting, I believe in the Premier League. I might be wrong about that. Pretty sure it's the 12th meeting in the Premier League. Um, regardless which mean it is, we've never beaten them in the Premier League in that many seasons, even, you know, finishing sixth and seventh. We have never beaten Brighton in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, Brighton are just such a well-drilled side. They've just taken that pot of playbook and they just keep implementing it week in, week out. I, It's just, it's so tough as a way, but you, you got to think to yourself, you know, relegation threatened West Ham, haven't beaten Brighton in how long? It, it feels like the most West Ham thing to do that we might turn up and get a result with the Amex. Um, but oh, honestly, this is, this is just every, this is the biggest dread for a West Ham fan is Brighton versus West Ham. Yeah, I, honestly, I think we'd rather play City, we'd rather play Liverpool, rather play Chelsea. Most of us just kind of write it off as a, as one of those games a season where you, you've lost six points essentially. And, and it's, it's harsh to say because at the end of the day, it, it is Brighton. We shouldn't be fearing Brighton this much. But, um, yeah, for most West Ham fans, if Brighton versus West Ham's in the calendar, there's a lot of other things we'll be doing in the meantime.
0: Yeah, but look, um, let let me maybe try and sway you here into that that storybook ending that you've been writing there with with West Ham. You know, probably in the unlikeliest position to beat West Ham in recent history. I mean, to beat yeah. Brighton in recent history based on their league positions. But Brighton have not been, you know, at their usual great Brighton way that they've been this season. Mm. In their last five games, they've got. Two draws and a loss in those five games. Is this as good a time as ever to play Brighton, especially with you guys coming off of hopefully a confident win last week?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the thing is, last week is it, it it wasn't a four nil game. I went to the game and it you know seventy minutes in, you know, Forest literally gave us all the possession, all the time to carve out the chances. And and once again, despite having Danny Ings, who's I think about five foot ten. Uh, Jared Bowen, who's about five foot ten, and, and Ben Rama, who's I think probably about five foot eight. We we still have this sort of mantra of just lobbing it in the box and trying to score goals, as if Andy Carroll's still playing for us. I, it doesn't make any sense. Every single goal we scored last week, um, we ended up scoring it on the floor, and we started playing some really really nice football. But Forrest made it so easy for us. Like they, it, it's probably the worst team I've seen play at the London Stadium. Definitely this season, maybe even last season. I can't understand how it took us seventy minutes. But again, you score four goals. The players look really, really up for it. Um, and yeah, you know, like I said, uh, I think on my preview for it, if you score a goal against Forest, you're basically guaranteed a point. It feels like at the moment with the Brighton are in, if you can at least score a goal, you kind of feel like you should be able to get a point out of the game with how they've been playing at the moment. That their sort of three nil, four nil thrashing seem to be behind them, but obviously I wouldn't put it past them to reignite them with West Ham. Uh, but can
0: I, on- can I jump in there and ask you, do you think the FA Cup fixtures play a factor into this because you guys obviously have man United uh, tomorrow at time of recording while Brighton play tonight against Stoke, so arguably not only do Brighton have you know a, an easier fixture, if you can put it mm. that way, depending on how the teams line up, but they also have an extra day. To prepare yeah. for, for your guys' game, but both teams are playing away from home.
1: Yeah. I mean I, it never seems to it never seems to get factored in that much, to be honest with you. Like whenever we seem to have like a, a game in hand or you know our opponents seem to have played midweek and then we you know we end up having the extra rest days, it doesn't seem to make a big difference. The only time I've ever seen a big difference for us is when we had the European hangover. We'd play on a Thursday night and then we'd be very lethargic on, on the Sunday. Simply because it ended up, you know, we ended up putting so much into the game. Uh, for me, I think United are probably going to do one over us, over us on anyway. I can't imagine Moise's biggest concern is going to be whether we, you know, are progressing in the FA Cup. I imagine he's going to be playing not fringe players necessarily, but, you know, players like Fornell, now, who's just come back from injury, uh, perhaps like Flynn Downs, players who don't tend to get into the squad too much. So I don't think it's going to factor in too much. And and also, I think no matter how many rest days that Brighton side gets, they're going to be playing to their best. They're going to be playing with good fitness. They're such a well-drilled side. I don't don't think that really comes into play for them. Whether it affects us or not, I'm not sure. But I don't tend to see this kind of, you know, yeah, you get more rest days, but I don't don't tend to see that making too much of a difference when it comes to Premier League games. Maybe I just don't look too much into it stats-wise, but uh performance wise i don't tend to see too much of uh, a difference in that so i i don't think it's going to make too much of a difference
0: all right then i've 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 held you off long enough well, <laughs> what's the score prediction for this one
1: um i'm going to say 1-1 tad i am yeah. i'm going to try okay. and be an optimistic west ham fan uh, and i'm and i'm going to say 1-1 but you know it's just one of those fixtures where it, it once it's played it's done and we just put it to the back of our mind and hope it doesn't come for a fair few weeks after that but are you going to be the one to tell me that we're going to get thrashed this week
0: <laughs> no we not see? necessarily thrashed um I just worry about look the, the the victory last week's obviously really good hopefully they can take confidence from it uh from a West Ham perspective I think the thing for me is Nottingham Forest are still finding their feet despite their their semi-purple patch if we can call it that West Ham still haven't beaten a wild drill team. That's my concern. And as you've mentioned with Brighton, you know they're gonna make this a tough game for you guys. I have a feeling that despite the the you know the the team sheet that comes out for the FA Cup, I think the West Ham players, with how not so good the it's going in the Premier League, they're going to want to put on a performance in the FA Cup because it's almost as if it's an escape. Yeah. Like Oh, the Premier League, it's it's a bit of a a chore at the moment. Hopefully, they don't think that way. But it's not as fun if you're not winning. Whereas in the FA Cup, they've been winning, you know, in each round. So maybe they've got a feel-good factor in that one. And are thinking this is something that we could go far in. You know, if you're looking at the teams that are left in that FA Cup, obviously, you still have the likes of Man City, um, Tottenham are there. But that's it if you get past man united the the two biggest teams are you know it would be man city and tottenham if they win their fixtures if one of them slips up you are one of the t- the the two big teams left so there is a potential pathway for west ham to do something in the cup now wisdom would probably say don't do that because it might be to the detriment of your league form but yeah. i just have a feeling that the players might not be able to help themselves so they're going to put in an effort for the FA Cup and it's going to be an issue in the Premier League I, I've I've gone 2-1 to Brighton um, but I think you guys have a, a deep run in the FA Cup
1: Yeah, no I mean uh, we'll see we'll see, I, I think also you talk about an escape, our escape is mainly the Conference League I feel like at the moment way more chance I think of getting a, a decent victory in that, obviously it might skew us Roper League so I feel like for us Conference League is kind of what we're putting at least one of our eggs into. Uh, but like you say, we're only like, what, beat Man United, beat another team, and we're at Wembley, so yeah. who knows? <laughs> I just feel like Man United are in such electric form at the moment, you'd you kind of if you were more, you'd kind of back yourself to uh, maybe do the Conference League, but who knows?
0: Who knows when it comes to West Ham at the moment? Um, who knows when it comes to Chelsea at the moment as well? They've been weird, to say the least. I'm, I'm not surprised with their lack of chemistry, their inability to score a lot of goals at the moment purely because they've brought in so many players and you can sort of see the hesitation and them being quite tentative with how they build up their attack and that's the biggest one of the biggest things when it comes to getting balls in the back of the net and creating chances is you almost have to be telepathic with your passing and your movement and knowing how everyone is going to be moving these Chelsea players almost need to take that extra half second to recognize what you know their teammates are doing before executing what they need to. And by that time, defenders have closed down the situation or 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 the opportunity to play that ball is no longer there. Um so I, I understand the stuttering. I think if 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 I was a Chelsea fan, my my biggest concern right now is the club needs to decide is Potter going to be our manager next season or not. If he is they need to come out and say it right now, and yep. say, irrespective of where we finish in the league, because I'm, I'm I'm assuming they're going to stay in the league. You know, they're not going to get relegated. So, <laughs> irrespective of us yeah. staying in the league, um, but you can't really put it like that to the fans. They they might just kick off if you say that. You know, pending us staying in the league, but basically saying Potter's our guy. We back him. Mm. He's going to be here for the foreseeable future because one that officially takes that 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 media pressure away from him where every time there's a bad result, the media is going to be hounding him. The fans are going to be on edge. Like If they know no matter what, he's here. Okay, that at least sets that baseline. Two, what I think it does as well is it tells the insane amount of players that have come in that either you get on board with what Potter's doing or you're not going to be here. Mm -hmm. Whereas we've seen at other clubs, for example, at, at Spurs, where the players know we're still going to be here if this manager goes. Like it's not, it's not the manager that's going to stay. We can get this manager out. Mm. And we've seen that with previous versions of Chelsea where they've gotten managers fired just because they didn't agree with them. It's not going to help Chelsea if they don't back. Him. If, if they're not going to back him next season or in not going to have him next season, they need to get that person lined up now and sort of have that person ready to go because I, I just think this in-between phase that they're in is going to cause a lot more problems than it is going to do good and then they come up against a lead side who look i've, I've been enjoying watching Leeds games bar their finishing um and you could see the scrappy goal that they got last week which enabled them to win the game that's sort mm-hmm. of how it's had to go in for leads at the moment but if they can just sort that out Everyone just keeps hoping that Bamford with each game gets better and better and, and, and more in tune. I mean, they've got an FA Cup game tonight against Fulham, which hopefully gives them another opportunity to get the chemistry going and, and stuff like that. But this is a game between two teams, in my opinion, that allow their oppositions to stay in the games just because they're not able to score goals. Um, it. it, it is something going to break here? Is one of them going to be able to figure it out in this fixture?
1: I have no idea. I mean, the one thing I will touch on there, and I, I think you're completely right on, is that, you know, you sign Graham Potter, you have to think that's a project. You you, you can't sit there and think, you know, he, he shouldn't necessarily be 10th with the squad he's in. You know, you you could argue that. But you either do what Liverpool have done, which is quite admirable, and and they've stuck by a this season, when I think a lot of people would question that. um, like I say, you either stick with Potter to the remainder of the season, you give him the transfer window to sort his squad out and, and whatever, or you do what Chelsea would always do and you just get another manager in who's going to get immediate results. But I think surely if you're going to get Potter in, you know you, you don't expect immediate results. If you want immediate results, you get someone in like like Poch or you try for Zidane or you know someone along those lines. You, you don't get a manager in. You know the the difference between the Brighton job and the Chelsea job is is massive it's huge it's part of the reason why potter even took it in the first place you can't expect him to just turn everything around in was it been like two months in the job now three months yeah, in the job man. now i i think they've, they've got to come out and just say look potter's our guy and like you say irrespective of where he finished this season it we're in a we're in a rebuild phase i mean they've got an incredible group of players they're just not really gelling as a squad at the moment um so yeah i think the main thing for me is that chelsea have to sit there and decide if they're going to sack him if they're going to get someone else in. But it it just makes zero sense to me why they would get someone in like Potter if they're not at least prepared to give him till the end of the season. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. With Leeds, they're managerless at the moment and and who knows who they're going to be getting in. But like you say, these are just two sides who just don't like to finish their chances. And part of that is because Chelsea just do not have a proper number nine. Uh, And I think a lot of the players who have been signed are not Potter players. You know, I think that they do scream Bowly buys, they, you know, career mode kind of transfers. I don't really understand the thought process behind some of the transfers. Um, and I, I hedge to say that if, if this game was at Ellen Road, I might be saying that there's a Leeds upset in there, but I think I'm going to give it 1 0 to Chelsea. I do think, I mean, what they're winless in six games, I think it is, if you include the Dortmund game. They've not been playing good football at all. Something has to change for them. And, if what I believe is happening behind the scenes in that pot is being told if you don't win this game, you're basically gone um hopefully the players will react to that and and wanna fight for their manager. but again, you've got such a weird group of players at Chelsea at the moment that I'm not really sure any of them stands, and I'm not sure who they'd even try and get in, but yeah, I'm gonna say one nil to Chelsea, but this is definitely one of the ones to watch for me this weekend as to you know what's gonna happen outside of football just it's a very interesting one.
0: Yeah. And, um, f- for me, I've gone 2-0 to Chelsea. I'm not confident with, um, them scoring more than one goal in a game, but I just think something's got to give at this point. And as, as bad as it's been going on for Chelsea, I just can't deny the talent that they do have. Mm. Um, and I think this is a game where Leeds would have played midweek. Chelsea have the whole week to prepare for this game. I think this is one of those fixtures where, uh, the team play mid- midweek is really going to feel it. Um, and I think Chelsea are just going to be able to to see this one through, and and I guess for their sake, hopefully it's the start of something you know good for the rest of the season, and and they can build onto what they hope will be a a, a better campaign next season with them being in contentious for for trophies and titles and, and and all that good stuff. But you're trying to be in contention for a title, a trophy, so to speak, the Banker or it trophy to be exact um we've reached that section that stage of the podcast but before we get you to try your luck in round two of Banker or burner we're going to take a quick ad break and we will see you after these messages and we are back look Mate, <laughs> as I said, obviously, you had your first go last time. You scared us um, in a good way because mm. you did so well with your first two fixtures that that you had, um, sort of tailed off towards the end there. But let's see how you get on with the second round of fixtures. But before we get to you, we got to obviously do a recap on, on how the leaderboard is looking at the moment. Um now, obviously, we started off with Jake Jackman. He got 14 out of 25. He sort of set that standard there. And he almost got that honorary first go because he is the, the OG king of Bank it or Burnet. It. Um, then you went, you went, you got 13 out of 25, which I thought was very respectable for a first effort. Um, and then Guy Drinkle finagled his way into this competition. Now, I don't know how he's finagled his way in. We were meant to have another guest on. And the, unfortunately, the guest uh, got ill and wasn't able to come on. Mm. And, you know, Guy steps in from behind the glass to in front of the microphone. And he's gone and pulled off a 16 out of 25. So as things stand, this trophy, this beautiful trophy is going to executive producer Guy Drinkle.
1: Mm. How They're do you feel that.
0: about that? How do you feel about that?
1: Just, I mean, listen, the guy has literally been behind the glass for every single, more or less every single episode. He's he's been sitting there studying, waiting for his moment to to leech in and lurch in and manage to get the 16 out of 25. And that big old trophy, which I imagine now is going to be an even bigger one
0: as soon as he realizes (laughs) he he
1: might be in contention of winning. But like I say, I mean, you've got the OG King. I was one point behind him. So 13 out of 25, I might not be too impressed by that, but. You know, all, all I can do is, you know, beat what's in front of me. So 16 out of 25 is, uh, what I've got to try and go for this week, obviously, but beating the 13. I mean, the, the ones we've got this week are a little bit more contentious for me than last week's to be, well, not last week, last episodes, to be fair. Um, the dreaded, uh, knee slide celebration definitely was my undoing. I think last week, <laughs> yeah. the fist bump's going to be even more of a, a head one for me. So it'll be interesting, but you know, let's jump into it like we always do.
0: You mentioned the size of the trophy. I've, I'm now worried our entire podcast budget is going to be blown on this trophy if, if Guy Drinker ends up winning it. I might not see you guys next season. Um, but, yeah, in, in all seriousness, the fixtures that you do have are obviously the ones we've discussed. It's Man City, Newcastle, Arsenal versus Bournemouth, Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace, Brighton, West Ham, hopefully your lucky charm, and then Chelsea versus Leeds. Your questions, uh, you've mentioned they've changed for round two. There's over 850 total passes, less than 35 clearances, over three yellow cards, headed goal, and fist pump goal celebration. Now, with these ones, there's not as much words for me to get through as there was in round one. So hopefully maybe that gives you enough breathing room to to think these answers through opposed to last time where I, I know I certainly felt the pressure of trying to get through all five questions as, as as quickly as possible to allow you the opportunity to maximize your score out of 25. But for those of you that are joining us for the first time, Bank it or Burnet is a game where I'm gonna put 15 seconds on the clock. Riley is going to try and answer five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. Hopefully that's not an issue. Um, he's, I'm going to read out the questions. Uh, he's going to shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen, or he'll shout burn it if he thinks the scenario won't happen. As I said, current leaderboard has Guy Drinkle atop of the leaderboard at 16 out of 25. Um, let's see how Riley does in round two. I'm going to get your clock ready here. Um, your first fixture is Man City versus Newcastle. Are you ready? I'm ready, mate. All right, cool. Your time starts now. Over eight hundred and fifty total passes. Bank it. Less than thirty-five clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. F- First part goal celebration. Burn it. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I stumbled the pressure was there. More on you there. The, than the me pressure way, was honestly. on me. Uh, I, I apologize. Do you know what it was? I was so used to round one's questions yeah, that yeah, I yeah. was just in the zone of, of those ones. I'd already, yeah. Okay. That first one got me. I'm, I'm glad we got through that. Um, hopefully the clock's not an issue going forward. Mm. Um, we've got Arsenal versus Bournemouth. Your time starts now. Over eight hundred and fifty total passes. Bank it. Less than thirty five clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Burn it. Headed goal. Burn it. Fist pump goal celebration. Bank it. Oh, there we go. That's a lot better.
1: Just needed that rehearsal one for you, didn't we? The it,
0: first it, round? it was, it was. Um this game show has pressure as much on me as it does on you guys, so but I'm 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 good. I'm good. I hope you're good. Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace. You predicted
1: 2-1 to, 2-1 Villa. 1
0: to Villa. All right. Let's see how that influences things here. All right. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Burn it. Less than 35 clearances. Bank it. Over three yellow cards. Uh, bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. First pump goal celebration. Thank you. Ooh. Hesitation there on the yellow cards.
1: There was, yeah. I, I, three, the thing is, three doesn't sound like that much, does it? It but doesn't. It, but to be fair, it's, it is a fair few yellow cards, but I know what Villa are like and what Palace are like. I think probably that that was the right call, but we'll see.
0: Oh, this could be your, this could be your new slide this week.
1: No, no, no. That, that, we're keeping that a close complete, eye
0: on that one. That was a
1: complete fumble, Tad. <laughs> we know this. We know this for a fact. We're not bringing that up again. That was a complete fumble.
0: All right, here we go. This one's the lucky charm fixture, obviously. Course, Brighton versus West Ham. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank it. Less than 35 clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Fist pump goal celebration.
1: Burn it. Oh.
0: All right. All right. Well, you, you were quite adamant in, um, your analysis earlier that, you prefer the goals to come on the ground and and certainly they came on the ground when when you kind mm. started playing the ball on the ground, so are you sort of willing that into existence yeah
1: i i mean i don't know i I feel like we're, they're both we're both teams that prefer the ball on the ground in terms of how we actually score goals yeah but i wouldn't I wouldn't put it past us to score our first like corner of the season you know in this game um it it's kind of a bit of a derby for us, so yellow cards, who knows i mean both teams will be fighting for it. The, again, the 35 clearances is a weird one as well. You know, it's things you don't really look at too much in the game. But I know that for us, we love to pass backwards quite a lot, and, and Brighton love a little bit of build-up play. So I feel like the passes one should be fairly, fairly certain on that one. But we'll see.
0: Interesting stuff. All right, let's go with the final one for this round for you. It's Chelsea versus Leeds United. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Burn it. Less than 35 clearances. Bank it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Bank it. First bump goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, okay. Burn it to end it off there. That was was good. I I enjoyed that one. I I was a bit flustered at the beginning. I apologize. But we got there in the end. How how are you feeling about the answers?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think I'm probably a little bit more... I feel like the questions we had last week, I'm a little bit more confident on. Yeah, um, and it, it's a good set of fixtures, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I was feeling confident last week, and I only got thirteen, so I wouldn't put it past me to get a better score this week. But we we shall see. I mean, you know, if I don't get very well, I'm just going to blame you for putting all the pressure on me in the first round. <laughs> that's 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 how I'm going to go for this one.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I'll, I'll take the heat for that one. And of course, you'll still have other opportunities um, to try and get this trophy. Let's move on to Wolves versus Tottenham Hotspurs. Now, Wolves have that. Midweek game against Liverpool. Um, we've obviously not got the privilege of watching that quite yet. Uh, before we record, Spurs also have a midweek game. They've got Sheffield United away, which is one of those games that could potentially be a banana skin. I, I don't know. Um, but I'd imagine, um, and I was, I did a podcast on Sunday with two Tottenham Hotspur fans and they were talking about how. You know, they would like Harry Kane to be rested in this game, but Harry Kane insists on playing every single game, especially because he's chasing goal scoring records. Um so how strong does Spurs go into that game will be interesting. Wolves, I think, midweek have to go strong against Liverpool. My concern for Wolves in this game is that it's gonna suit Spurs really well in that Wolves play Liverpool, which to beat to win that game against Liverpool They've shown they can do it in in recent um, months, and the way they beat Liverpool was having runners from midfield, having runners coming from deep, arriving into the box late, or driving from midfield past Liverpool's midfield that just stands there and watches people go past them. Now, in order to do that, it's going to have to be a very energetic game. They're going to have to put in the miles, so to speak, in that game against Liverpool, and... Then they're going to have to turn around and play Spurs in the weekend, who won't necessarily make them run as much, but are very good in transition football. My worry is that transition football is going to be so dangerous against legs that have had to run a lot against Liverpool in order to get that victory against Liverpool. And it's going to be to their detriment, and they're going to get done on the counter in this game against Spurs. So I'm going to go with a 2-0 Spurs win uh, for this game.
1: Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a similar sort of mindset. I think I'm going to go for 2 Tottenham and it's not too long ago they got rolled over by Leicester. Um and and to be fair, Leicester played Tottenham at their own game and caught them on the counter attack and they were just absolutely ruthless. I don't see Wolves having that same ruthless nature uh, as Leicester had and I think Tottenham have seen off big enough sides now to where I can confidently say that they've got their way of playing back. It's it's is it different style to players? What they wanted to do in terms of like just full on attacking football, every single chance they get bombing down the channels. Um, but I, I would think that against Wolves, you like to be a little bit more comfortable on the ball. Um, and like you say, in transition, Tottenham are just such a stronger side and they're able to use the width a hell of a lot more. Uh, so Wolves are going to have to do a lot of running in this game as well. I actually feel, um, I, I just don't see the same ruthlessness that Tottenham could get caught out by. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go for 2-1, but I do I do still think Wolves are gonna pop up with a goal.
0: Yeah, and, and Sarabia got one recently, so hopefully he continues um that for them. Let's move on to the team that you just mentioned, Leicester City. They travel to Southampton. Now I've talked I've spoken about must-win games for different teams. I think this game, although it's not necessarily an inverted commas traditional six pointer. So to speak, but I think it's one of those games where Southampton, looking at where they are on the table, um, obviously not pretty for them. They're bottom of the log, 18 points. A win here against a team like Leicester, who are hovering, maybe not necessarily in the relegation area zone near it quite yet. They're, they're three points ahead of the relegation zone, so to speak, but obviously, um, they're six points ahead of Southampton. A win for Southampton <laughs> is beneficial for Southampton in that not only do they get the three points, but hopefully they drag another team closer to them, mm. which gives them a higher chance. The more teams they are near that bottom, the greater chance Southampton have of escaping because, you know, obviously just maths. But um, what do you see this game going as? I mean... I mean there's, there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally we speak about the results that we've kind of breathed into existence. You say Leeds lose, Everton lose to Arsenal, uh, Bournemouth lose to uh, uh, Arsenal as well. West Ham probably slip up against Brighton. Wolves. I mean, that's literally every single team up from Southampton uh, from and possibly even Forest as well losing. And that brings them level, you know, goal difference, fair enough, is, is going to be an issue for them. But, that brings them level on points with Bournemouth, Everton, a point behind Leeds. If they, if they can get a result here, they really make a case for themselves staying in the Premier League. If they don't, I do believe it It really could be curtains for them. This is, this is, you know, it doesn't get much bigger than this. It's at St. Mary's as well. It, it is a season defining game, I think, for Southampton. They win it. They get straight back into that sort of conversation. There's no bigger opportunity. Every single team down from Forest, if you kind of breed the results into existence, should be dropping pretty much maximum points. And obviously, if they beat Leicester, then they get, uh you know, points as well. That literally briefs them, what, within like three points of going to 14th, which a couple of weeks ago seemed pretty far-fetched for Southampton. And also, I think Everton, with their uh, game that they play on Monday, they could even be, you know, a game in hand on, on a team like Everton. So it doesn't get much bigger for Southampton. But I just don't see the players being up for it enough. Obviously, they're still managerless. I don't see the crowd being up for it enough. Leicester, for me, have you know built so much of a case around themselves for being able to score goals and outscore their opponents. They've st- stuck with Brendan Rodgers, and I think he's got the dressing room back together. He's got the squad back together. I just, I just don't see a way for Southampton to get this all-important result. But if there's ever a time to sit those group of players down in the dressing room and say, guys, if we win today, look at the table, look at where we'll be we have a huge chance of getting Premier League football next season. If we can get this result, I just, I don't see that mentality coming from that Southampton squad, unless James Ward-Prowse does what he does best. And, you know, I mean, he seems to be the only player at the moment that could be the difference maker for them. And you do need that in games, but I just, I just don't see them being able to to cope with Leicester. I think it's going to be a 3-1 uh Leicester victory.
0: Yeah. 3-1 to Leicester there for you. Um, these, this is another one of those fixtures where both teams are playing in the FA Cup midweek. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they navigate those. Obviously, Southampton have Grimsby at home. Leicester also have a home game, but it's against Blackburn. Probably that's a tougher game. Um, Leicester have a tougher game, but uh, I, I don't know if Southampton can realistically put any weight on that FA Cup game against Grimsby. Like, if you Impossible. lose it, you lose it. Like, if yeah. you have to rotate the team here and focus on getting a strong performance on the, on the weekend. This isn't that luxury position where you don't want to be Wigan. You don't want to, you know, go all the way in the FA Cup and then end up getting relegated. I, may, maybe some fans do. You know, some fans value the trophy over just hovering in the Premier League for an infinite amount of time. So maybe there are fans out there that, that would rather they focus on the FA Cup and and see where they land in the Premier League. For me, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with three one as you have gone um, to Leicester. Let let's see how that game goes. We move on to Nottingham Forest versus Everton. Not, Nottingham Forest they had this semi purple patch, so to speak, recently, and I think Everton can take hope from what Nottingham Forest have done recently in that. If you get a run of games where, let's say, if you get five games coming up, you win three of them, you can climb pretty quickly up this table. And we saw it with Nottingham Forest. They shot straight back up. But as you say, not far enough that they can't get caught. I think Everton will be looking at this game as one of those games where they can start a run like this of of getting a couple of results. Now, obviously... You know, it it depends on first winning this game. But then they have a home game against Brentford, who we said aren't really playing that well at the moment. And then an away game against Chelsea. They're not really playing well at the moment. Tough games, but, you know, you could maybe do something there. And all of a sudden, it's looking a lot better for them. But, yeah, against Nottingham Forest away from home, me personally, I think Everton are are better off playing away from home than at home because the pressure yeah. of playing at Goodison Park and what the fans expect versus how the club's performing um, might be too much for them. So I think Everton have to go and win this game. I think they go and win this game 1-0. Mm. Um, I think we get to see a Dice special in this one, a physical game, um, go from a corner at the far post with, um, I don't know who would get it in, uh, maybe Tarkovsky just to, just to keep the dashness of it all with the, yeah. with the Dwight McNeil corner. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got one nil here. I think Nottingham Forest probably have as big an injury list as many teams starting lineups. Mm. They've, yeah, they got 10 injuries. Uh, a couple of those hopefully coming back for them this coming week, but I worry about them in terms of the injuries, having to constantly rotate their team. Their their purple patch seems to have stagnated a bit now. Mm. I think this is the game Everton have to target.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for you know, you say Everton are a different side away from home. I think Forrest are definitely a different side at the city grounds. Uh, that's where they'll be looking to churn out most of their results this season. But they went up against West Ham side for who, you know, despite the pressure, despite, um, you know, all the chances they created for 70 minutes were not ruthless. and. Realistically, Forest had a chance in those seventy minutes to nick a goal and to get a goal. And, and from what I saw, they they just couldn't do it. They and and realistically, if you score one goal against Forest, you're guaranteed at least a point. You know, at, with how they're playing at the moment, I'm pretty sure Forest and Everton are the two lowest scorers in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Everton are the same way. You know, if you score a goal against Everton, most of the time you feel like you can probably grind out a result. Um. But yeah, I just, I didn't see enough. I didn't see those players up for it in that Forest game. You know, they, they went a goal down and I know it says uh, Danny Ing scored two minutes later, but it generally was straight from kickoff. West Ham were guarding for that second goal. They wanted that second goal. And if it wasn't the VAR result, you know, it would have been probably about 60 seconds later that Danny Ing scored another one. Um And, you know, Everton are not a ruthless side, but Forest have not shown to me that they can capitalise on that at all. You know, even if it goes to 80, 90 minutes, I, I don't see Forrest scoring that first goal. I don't see Forrest you know, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and getting that all important goal. Um, so I, I, I never like to predict a nil-nil. I really don't. I, but I, I'm, I'm tempted. I am tempted. I, I think I'm going to go for a nil-nil here, Tads. It, yeah, I don't. Like it. I would have gone for a one-one, but I just I feel like this is the type of game where it's so important for both sides. Um, and both sides just don't tend to play lucrative enough football to score goals. And I think that the home crowd are just going to carry enough weight for Forrest to think to themselves, we're not going to score, let's just not concede. So I could be wrong here, but I'm, I'm going to go with a nil-nil, which I, I don't ever do. I never do that in predictions.
0: Well, look, if if you're not going to outdo Guy Drinkel in Banker or Burnett, you've certainly outdone him with this nil-nil because Guy Drinkle loves predicting a draw. Mm. But I don't know if he's ever predicted a nil nil. So you've got him, you've got him there. Hopefully, for your sake, you've got him on Bankett or Burnet as well this coming week. But let's move on to a fixture that I think is very interesting from a narrative perspective. It's Liverpool versus Man United. It's at Anfield. Now, the reason I say that is, uh, is because I think in the 2020 season, there was a game Obviously, Liverpool versus Man United, where Liverpool go and score quite late in that game. I think Allison kicks the ball over all the way through to to Salah. He runs um, through, puts it into the net, takes the shirt off, celebrating with the crowd. And I think that's the first time the crowd, genuinely, the entire Anfield crowd, started singing, "We're gonna win the league." Now you're gonna believe us. And it was it was a, a narrative moment. It was like a drawing a line in the sand that this. This is the moment that, you know, we've taken the baton, so to speak, from Man United. We know these two teams, the two most successful teams in English football history. They've been passing that baton between the two of them in terms of who's the better team in recent years and decades and and all of that stuff. Man United are now the team that's been looking the dominant team. Liverpool look lost at the moment. Is this then a pivotal game for Man United to snatch that baton back? They've just won a trophy. Whether or not people value that trophy or they don't, it it still counts, I guess, as a trophy. Um, And it's one of those, I guess, where if you win it, it matters. If you don't, it doesn't. (laughs) But it's still a trophy. If Man United go to Anfield, Liverpool's ground, and put in a performance like they've put in in recent weeks, there's no doubt they go and win. Because Liverpool will not be able to match that level of intensity, level of um, counter-attacking, level of clinical finishing, despite how well Allison has played this season. I'm worried <laughs> as a Liverpool fan for this game. I think this is a passing of the baton moment. I think Man United, especially with the way Ten Hag has carried himself, especially recently, I think he's going to target this game and say to the players, let's go show them. All those years you know that they've been... Showing us off, showing us up in recent history. Let's go and correct that. Let's go and smash them at their home ground. I'm very, very worried.
1: I mean, it's such a contrast to start the season, isn't it? When United actually beat you at Old Trafford, they went through this run of they lost to like Brighton and Brentford, and they were playing such crap football. All of a sudden, they go to uh, you know Old Trafford, they win fairly convincingly. I would have said. Uh, sort of out of nowhere. And now we've flipped to the other half of the season and you'd be quite surprised if Liverpool actually managed to get a result here. You've got Marcus Rashford on like just unimaginable form. You know, he's scoring pretty much every single game. It's not even too far fetched to suggest that if results start going their way, they couldn't be in the title race, to be honest with you. A win here, they you know, three points behind City, depending on how Arsenal managed to fumble, they they could be within six points of the league come, you know, the last ten games of the season and they look like they're up for that. They look like a side that's not just going to settle with well we're in third or fourth we're just sort of doing our thing. They seem like a side that want to push on and capitalize on that. And I think the biggest thing in football is to control the midfield. You know, you have if you're going to win a football game and do it convincingly, transition is so important, controlling the midfield, you know, having that sort of presence in the middle of the park. And I just think United are going to have that with players like Casemiro and Ericsson. You know, going up against the likes of a Liverpool midfield, which just look outdone and outrun at the moment. I'm sorry to say it, Tad, but it's they just—they so just, <laughs> they just so do, true. and they just don't. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, and and the sort of Anfield home advantage seems to have kind of dissipated at this at this point. Um, yeah, you, you are getting a bit more of a, an attack going with you know players like Nunez coming to their own and Gakpo. Uh, I just don't. I just don't really see them causing too many problems for United at the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go 2-0 for Manchester United. Like I say, this, this does feel like it's the snatching of the baton back for United, you know, as one of the sort of reclaiming themselves as one of the superpowers of the Premier League. But it was nice when it lasted, ATAS.
0: Eh, it was nice when it lasted. And look, I've always said football is cyclical, which is why I've been very frustrated with Liverpool this season because you don't know how long you're going to have it good. In football, So when you have it good, you need to capitalize and you need to try and grab, especially if you're a club like Liverpool, that when you have it good, it usually means trophies. You need to grab as many trophies as you can during that time period because the slump is going to come and it's going to be too late. Now, for this fixture, I've seen in big games this season, Liverpool have stepped up. Obviously, the Real Madrid game, um, they started the game on fire 2-0 up and then it just absolutely collapsed. But in big games this season in the Premier League, they have played well. And that probably has been indicative for me of Liverpool in in a bad way in that you guys can pick yourselves up for the big games and all the other games you you play like absolute nonsense. Um, so I w- I'm, I'm expecting Liverpool to play well in this game. I just don't think they're going to have enough firepower. I'm going to go with a 3-2 Man United win. Um, the reason I'm giving Liverpool two goals is because I think they're going to step up in this game and they're not going to want to just hand the baton back to Man United. They're going to fight. They're just not good enough this season and it's going to tell. So yeah, I've, I've gone three, two there. And look, if it ends up three, two, to be fair, that's probably a best case scenario being objective here. Based on the way the two teams will be entering that game. But let's enter into our last fixture of the game week. It's Brentford. Ready. Brentford versus Fulham. Like, I, I like this game more so because Mitrovic is back. Cause we, we, we've seen the, the lineups for the FA Cup and he's starting in the FA Cup. So hopefully all goes well there and he doesn't re injure himself or anything like that. And I'm dubbing this the Ivan Tony Mitrovic, um, derby. Because these are two strikers um, who have performed really well this season that have been key for their team's success this season. Obviously, not all down to them, but they've been key factors in how well their teams have played. I'm really excited to see how this game turns out. I've, I've gone a 2-2 draw. I think that's just a personal feeling of I want this game to be exciting with drama. Um, but how do you see this game going?
1: You took the score right out of my mouth, mate. (laughs) Me too. I'm I'm going for the same score. I mean, I feel like I haven't seen Brentford play in the Premier League for like two weeks. They haven't.
0: They haven't. Yeah, they didn't play on the weekend.
1: Yeah, the 18th, I think, was the last time that they played. So um, I I honestly feel like I haven't seen them play in a while. But for me, Fulham's purple patch is kind of, you know, slowly starting to descend. But with Mitrovic back, like you say, they could be firing on all cylinders again. And I feel like Brentford are, are the type of team where, if you score, they're, they're just, they'll just score straight back. You know, they've got the firepower. They've got that kind of mentality in the squad. And they're not they're not afraid to let squads attack them. They know that, yeah, we're going to play with fire. We're going to try and score. And if they score, then we're just going to try even more. So for me, I, I could see this being a very exciting Monday night game under the lights. Um, I've gone with 2-2 as well. Whether Tony and Mitrovic are going to get both of them, who knows. But it's, um, I mean, out of, out of interest, you know, as a Liverpool fan, which one would you rather have at the club? You know, who, who's the better striker, Mitrovic or Tony?
0: I think I'd rather have Ivan Tony for his mm. all-round gameplay. Um obviously Mitrovic is quite imposing especially on that back post, but I think Ivan Tony would suit Liverpool better because he can play players into the game, like in, he can hold off defenders um and interact with some of the midfield players, whereas Mitrovic I think is more On the shoulder of defenders And and looking to go behind and, And try and score I don't know if he would be able To link up well So it's kind of I know it's not the same player Or profile of player But it's why for example Like a Danny Ings Didn't necessarily work well At Liverpool Because yes you get the goals But you're not helping With all the other build up play That we need you to help with And when you're playing For Liverpool Especially with the way We were playing We have a lot of the ball And teams are going to be Quite deep So our strikers do need to come interact one twos, um, you know, drop deep to collect the ball, move defenders out of out of that area. I think Ivan Tony would suit Liverpool really well, like that, and I think Salah would absolutely enjoy. Imagine Salah playing the Buemo role, Mm. just playing off of Ivan Tony, and I, I think he would absolutely love playing that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Tony for me is the more exciting striker, but. For me, Mitrovic is just so ruthless. He, he yeah. just he just gets goals, doesn't he? He's the type of player where if you need a goal in the game, he'll just be in that area to score it. But yeah, I think those are two strikers who come next season. Top six sides, top four sides should be sniffing around them to, to sort of you know. I think more even more of a case for United next season signing someone like Ivan Tony would just completely fulfil the um, Ten half kind of philosophy of football. Um, so it would be interesting to see if these two sides can keep hold of them. But obviously they're both fighting. For a European place at the moment, is, is very exciting.
0: Yeah, so they might not even need to sell them. If no. if they can get European football, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to convince those players to stay and, yeah. and really make a good go of it. But guys, we've made a good go of this podcast. Riley's made a good go of Bank It or Burn It. If you guys want to make sure you catch all of these fixtures, then definitely go and check out Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a presenting sponsor along with EPLindex.com. Uh, Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. You can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25. That gets you 25% off of either the router or if you want to just download the software VPN straight onto your devices, you can do that too. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys can change your locations, avoid geo-blocks, and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. Finally, go and check out EPL Index Shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. I'm, I'm excited I have Liberty Shield because March Madness starts in college mm. basketball soon um I'm, I'm working on my bracket it's not complete yet but i i know i'm going to be able to watch every game at the touch of a button because of liberty shield which is pretty pretty cool but riley that is going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable do you have anything you want to plug put over or promote before we wrap up
1: well as always you know you can catch me on the west ham way if you are a suffering west ham fan such as myself and you know if you ever want to see me spout uh, even more drivel as I do on this podcast than Finchy Riley on Twitter. Uh, and obviously my YouTube channel, Riley Finch, which I'm not too active on at the moment, but there are still some cool videos on there. Awesome
0: stuff. Guys, from my end, definitely go ahead and check out all the content on EPL website. Um, there are match previews, post match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Of course, there's the daily podcast show. It's the two footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Um, finally, also go check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviews and previews of the happenings around the EPL. I was on there last week. It was a very heavy Tottenham and, and, and Liverpool based one, but we did obviously discuss the Carabao Cup and, and Graham Potter and, and other topics as well. But, um, I, I guess we got to commiserate. Um, as two teams who have not been consistent this season. So definitely go check that out. Um, also, guys, go and follow the Twitter page at tad Predictable. Um, go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give it five stars. Write positive comments. All of that stuff really, really does help us out, and we do appreciate that. Um, I've been to the You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McInnes. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter and he leads our Bank Burnett championship at the moment. I, I can't believe um, those words just came out of my mouth. Um, he's been Riley Finch. He's at Finchy Riley on Twitter. And remember, She's in the Perry.
1: She's not sure. And still, Salah, all oh, sensational. Son Hanigan, it's still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tieleman. The boy there!
0: Oh, and oh, Martin, oh. nearly fought Still got it up. Oh,
1: he's done it again. And
0: City have Sports Social Podcast Network.